0: First Kings, chapter number 17, and what an apropos time for us to have this topic this morning, can God meet your need? We started, I'm going to switch microphones, Brother Josh. We started a series last week entitled, Can God? Last Sunday night, uh, last Sunday morning was just the introduction side of that. Last Sunday night, we talked about, can God keep you saved? This morning, can God meet your need? Well, last week to our questions, can God do this and can God do that? The answer is, yes, he can. He can do anything. For with God, scripture says, nothing shall be impossible. God asked Abraham, is anything too hard for me? Of course God can. So today we're going to talk about something that is found in every person, in every culture around the world, throughout the history of the human race, and that is... Need. Need. Now, at the beginning of this, in order to make this, in order to make this fit your heart today, would you ask yourself, and don't spiritualize it. I'm just asking. you Just be honest with yourself here. What is it that you need today? in in this time of your In this time in your life, on this particular day, or this month, or this year, what is your personal greatest need? Because needs come in all shapes and sizes and, and intensities. So my need today, my personal need today, is probably not your personal need. So to frame what we're going to talk about in a very familiar story in First Kings seventeen, I'd like you to get in your mind at the beginning of this what is it that I need today? How do you respond when a need arises? Whether, it's, whether it shows up unexpectedly or you see it coming, how do you respond when a need arises? Do you respond oftentimes with worry or fear or anxiety? Those are all natural things. When something pops up and we don't see it coming, and it's a great need. I'm not talking about, boy, I, I need a Dr. Pepper zero. I'd go for one right now. That's not, my, that's not the need. I'm talking about when a need Pops up and you need it. How do you respond initially? Because worry and anxiety and fear, those are natural responses to something that really catches us off guard. But God says there's a better way. God says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6 God says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Why should I tell God about my needs? Because in Philippians 4 and verse 19, it says, He'll supply all our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Nobody else can make that promise to you. But God can. Why should I tell God about my needs? Because He can supply those needs. Now let me ask you a question here at the beginning of this message on can God meet your need? Let me ask you this question. Should we try to meet our own needs? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, you should. When we have it within our power to solve the need, then we really don't have a need, do we? A legitimate need refers to a lack that still remains after we have done all we know and are able to do. I've done what I can. I've put into this what I can, and God, that need is still there. That's a need. Today, there's not a need for us to raise money to take care of this project over there because God's already given it to us. he's, He's met that need already. It's here. So it's not a need now, is it? If you can meet the need that you have, then meet it. It's not a legitimate need if God's given you the ability to do that. But after you've done what you can, and after you've, you've invested what you can, and that need is not going to be met, then you come to God and you say, God, this is, this is a need. What do we do once our resources are exhausted? What do we do when, when everything we have done doesn't meet that need? I've read this scripture. I'm trying to calm my mind. I've read this scripture and I've prayed, and God, I still have this need in me. Or God, we have this debt over here and this debt, it's, it's overwhelming. And we've put everything we can into it to where we are just barely scraping by. We don't have, hardly have enough money for groceries this week for our family. God, my resources don't match this need. God, I need you to get involved. Can God meet that kind of need? What do we do when we come to that kind of need where the need can't be met? Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two. here's what you do. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. You know what happens oftentimes when, my, when our doubts arise? You know what usually happens? So, or when our need arises, rather. When our need arises, oftentimes, so do my doubts. I don't know if, I don't know if we're going to make it through this. In fact, I have Satan whispering in my ear, and maybe you do too. Do you think God can really meet this need? He's notorious for doing that. He starts off in the very third chapter of the Bible. He starts off questioning if God's ability is enough for your need. And he uh, he places these questions in our mind. But the truth is this. Can God meet your need? Yes, he absolutely can meet your need. What I want to do this morning, and I'll do this quickly. You've been very gracious this morning. I'm, I'm going to do this quickly. And so buckle up. Can we do that? Do you have that need in your mind still? I asked you a little bit ago, what is the need you have today? Some of you, the, the need might be financial. For some of you, it might be a Savior. For some of you, it's a relationship or it's an emotional need. Your needs are different today. In fact, that's the first thing I want to talk about, the many shapes of our needs. The many shapes of our needs. First Kings 17 is probably a familiar story to you. It's where we meet this man by the name of Elijah. Turns out to be one of God's great prophets in the Old Testament. He goes to King Ahab and says, King, by my word, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And it doesn't. So he goes to the king, the king of an agricultural country, by the way, and says, we're... God's going to shut the spigot off, and it's not going to rain here. And then, in verse number 2 of chapter 17, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, unto Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went, and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. Jordan, The many shapes of our needs. Let's just notice two or three things out of these opening verses here. The first thing is this. There's an uncommon service. An uncommon service. Elijah goes to Ahab and he tells Ahab it's not going to rain anymore. This is uncommon. This is uncommon because Elijah is going to be in need... Because he obeyed the will of God. Sometimes we think, as long as I'm in the will of God, I'm not going to have any needs. That's not necessarily true. Note what happened here when God said, I want you to go to the brook Cherith, and the ravens are going to feed you there. And he did that, right? And there's the brook, and it's flowing. And here's the ravens, and they're bringing him meat. And it was an amazing it was an amazing thing in verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. This is going great. God said, go here. I did it. And this is going great. In verse 7, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. But he told me if I come here, I get water. He's in need because he did what God said him, God gave him to do. God said to go to Cherith and he did. And he went there and the brook dried up. He's in need while he's obeying God's will. It's an uncommon service but maybe not all that uncommon because maybe you found yourself the same thing. Maybe in your life you have been walking with God and you've been faithfully obeying him at home, at work, at church. And all of a sudden, big needs or big troubles pop up into your life. Don't be surprised by that. Jesus said that was going to happen. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, ye shall have Tribulations. One of the world's greatest lies in history as is this. If you'll come to Jesus, you won't have any more problems. That is one of the world's greatest lies. That's not true. But 1 Peter chapter 1 says that in Christ, even in the time of our heaviest trials, our greatest needs, Peter says something very strange. He says, you should rejoice. Now, that flies against everything in my logical brain that in time of my greatest need, I can be rejoicing, but it does. This was an uncommon service in that he did what God gave him to do, and yet he found himself in need. There's a second thing I want you to see in these verses, starting at verse 8 and going down. We're going to meet somebody else. The second thing is this. When it comes to needs in your life an uncontrollable situation. Sometimes things come into your life through no fault of your own, and you're in desperate need. Look at verse 8. The word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he went... To, he arose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks, and he called unto her and said, Fetch, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. So God sends God sends Elijah to this widow woman. Here's this widow woman. She's poor. How poor is she? Look what look what the Bible says in verse eleven. And as she was going to fetch it, Elijah called to her and said, bring me, I pray, thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. When you bring me a drink of water, would you also bring me a piece of bread? And she says in verse number 12, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Here is a poor woman. Let's, let's look at her situation for a moment. Do you think she's a woman in need? She's come down to the very end of her food, and she says, I'm going to eat this food, and what? Die. She's in need. She's got a son who their plan is, let's go eat our last supper, and then we're just going to lay down and go to sleep, and we're going to starve to death. She's in great need. May I ask you, was it her fault that there was a drought in the land? Do you know why there's a drought in the nation of Israel at this time and in the surrounding areas? Because of Ahab and Jezebel and the way they led the nation of Israel into idolatry. She wasn't. We have no indication at all that this lady was an idolater. None at all. In fact, she goes along with the man of God's plan. The prophet shows up and what he says to do, she just does it. There's no indication that she's an idolater, and yet she's suffering from the same drought that everyone else is. And let me apply that to us today. Sometimes we get caught up in some kind of unpleasant situation or in great need because of the misdeeds of someone else. And we find ourselves in need. It wasn't our fault, and yet we're in great need. Now, let's be honest. There are those times when we dig our own hole. And we make choices, and we, we do things, and we say things, and that is why we are in great need. But this wasn't her story. She's in great need because of someone else's misdeed. So you have this uncommon service with Elijah. He did what God said to do, and yet he ended up in need. Then there's this uncontrollable situation with this woman, and she didn't do anything wrong that we know of, and yet she's also in great need. Sometimes we can be overwhelmed by things that are completely out of our control. And I'd say she was overwhelmed. She's ready to eat her last supper and die. The last thing I would point you to is in verses 17 and 18. It relates to that widow as well. And it's an untimely sorrow. And you know what happens here. Y'all are familiar with this story. Her son dies out of nowhere. Out of nowhere he dies. Look at verse 17 in that same chapter It came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? If her need wasn't bad enough when it started, she didn't think she had enough food. But now the man of God showed up. And sure enough, just like he said, every day food was showing up in their house and everything's going fine. So let's look now at this lady through a different lens. It's the, same, it's the same lady. It's the same widow lady. Let's look at her through a different lens. Look at this woman who has given much to the Lord. She has been sharing everything she has for her family. She's been sharing it with the prophet. She has given much to God. She has received much from God. And yet now she's bearing an unimaginable grief in the death of her son. And by the way, it's her only son. She doesn't have any more children. She's a widow. This son was supposed to grow up and take care of her by Jewish law. Or, well, not even Jewish law, by custom of that land. He should have grown up and taken care of his mother. And now he's dead. Everything was going well, and now life has derailed for her. And emotionally, she is in tremendous Need, can you relate to that? There is, uh, there is those times in our life where God, uh, God is blessing us, everything's going good. Then it comes crashing down, and you have the shock. She's dealing with the loss. She's dealing with the hurt of all of this. Well, it happened to Job like that, didn't it? It's happened to maybe you, like that. An untimely sorrow. Do you see what I'm saying, that needs come in all sorts of shapes and sizes? Sometimes it's material, and sometimes it's physical, and sometimes it's spiritual, all of these different things. I'm just thankful that the story doesn't end with our need. This story certainly doesn't. It doesn't end with need in any of these situations. Let's move from these many shapes of our needs. Let's move to this, the manifest or revealed, the manifest supply of our God. How does he meet those needs? You know, our needs a lot of time catch us off guard. The, the drought didn't sneak up on her. There was an eventual need where all she had left was this little bit of meal and this little bit of oil. But her son caught her off guard. That death caught her off guard. He got sick and died, and the Bible indicates that was a relatively short amount of time. These needs may surprise us, but they never surprise God. In fact, you know what you can take comfort in? God knew about every need you'd face in your life before he laid the foundations of this world. That is an amazing thought. That before the world was formed, God knew the needs that would be coming into my life. And he's already made prep for them. In fact, I I would go so far as to say this. He did not just know about your needs. He doesn't know about that need that's on your mind this morning that I asked you to think about. It's not just that he knows about it. He orchestrates those needs to make us lean on him and to make us more like Jesus Christ. He brings them into my life. Romans chapter 8 talks about that. So you can rest assured this great God, that great need that you have, this great God has provision to meet that need. How does he do all that? Let's look at a couple things. Let's first of all look at God's past preparations, his past preparations. In verses 3 and 4, he tells Elijah to, to go to this brook Cherith. Do you know this? Do you know that thousands of years before Elijah was born, God created the brook Cherith knowing that one day his prophet was going to need a drink of that water because there was a drought in the land. Cherith was there before, before Elijah was ever born. That that stream was there. God had already made that brook in Israel's geography. Can we run with that thought for just a moment? That before he was ever born, Cherith was already there, flowing with fresh water. That little stream that flows south of Jericho. If you know if you know Bible geography, south of Jericho, about three or four miles, there's a, a stream that runs. Uh, It runs west to east, and it dumps off in the Jordan River. That's where God sent Elijah. Before he was born, that brook was there. So let's take that thought and run with it. Here's some questions. These are rhetorical, but you'll see how it goes. Does God know about our needs before we do? Well, that's a dumb question, isn't it? Of course he does. Might he even design those needs for our benefit? Do all things work together for our good? Well, we all know Romans 8, 28, 29, right? Here's a thought, though. Would you write down? We won't turn there, but Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 7. Listen to what God says. Have you read this verse? Isaiah 45, 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. What did he just say? I, the Lord, make peace and create evil? Before you, before you train wreck today, before the smoke starts coming out of your ears, that word evil is elsewhere translated distress, affliction, Adversity. God brings those needs into my life on purpose and into your life on purpose. And He oftentimes answers those things before we even know we had them. Have you experienced that, where God meets a need before you know that? He says in Isaiah 65, 24, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Before they call, He says, I will answer. That's an amazing thing. I remember a time when Terry and I, early in our marriage, had a financial need. Uh, She was working part-time at a florist shop. I was part-time at a church and part-time in a cabinet shop. With those three different incomes, we had a financial need come to us that we could not meet. Within a day or two that we discovered that financial need, we got a check in the mail for that amount. Can I, can I tell you what the logistics of that? That check was in the mail coming to Bozeman, Montana before Terry and I even knew we had the need. That's pretty cool. That's biblical. This is how God works. God says, before they call, I'll answer them. Nowhere is God's past provision more clear than on Mount Calvary because before I was ever born God made provision to save a kid named Mark Campbell his past provision for our need he wants to do that every day for us in fact you know about you know about Calvary before there ever was a sinner salvation's plan was already designed and thought out in the mind of God Calvary, the Bible says, was designed before the foundation of the world. Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve, it's not only had they not sinned, they'd not even been created yet. And yet God had a plan of salvation already worked out. His past provision, his present supply, his present supply. There, in, Still back in our text, in verse number 6, it says, uh, Elijah goes down to that brook and it says... The ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening. He drank of the brook. There was the need, food and and water. God provided it for him. He fed him by ravens. The the brook was naturally there. The brook was there. But it wasn't natural that those ravens bring him food, was it? That was a miraculous work of God. It's like Ariel Uber Eats. They were bringing the food right to him. And it's not even the nature of those birds to do that. It's not the nature of those birds to carry that food away, but they did. They brought it to him. Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is a conditional promise. It's a conditional promise. God's present supply, his, his ability and promise to meet our needs is conditional if you read that context there in Philippians chapter 4, the Bible's talking about a missions offering that was taken for Paul and other missionaries. And the Philippian church, Paul said, had sent not just once, but again, they had sent multiple times to him to meet that need. And God said this to that Philippian church How applicable is this for us today on this project with EABM? God said this to the Philippians You've taken care of Paul, the missionary, and other missionaries with him. I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ, by Christ Jesus. Now, if you're sitting out there today, church, and you didn't want to say anything because uh, you don't want people to know you're doubting this, but you're thinking to yourself, well, I hope our church makes it if we send sixty-five dollars or $70,000 over to Africa. God will provide that need. We've found, ask any of our deacons and officers, ask any of them. We can't hardly give missions money away fast enough before God puts it back. It just, we will laugh. We have laughed in our deacons and officers meetings. We've laughed about that. It is amazing what God will do with obedient people. He will supply your need. He's a faithful God. He can't let you go hungry. David said that. I, have, you remember that? I have been young. Now I'm old. David said, "I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread." But it's conditional. We have to walk in obedience. Let me ask you a question. I, I know we're getting. I know it's running tight here. But let me ask you a question. Are you struggling financially today? Ask yourself this, am I being honest with God in my tithes and my offerings? Ask yourself that. I'm not saying saying it's a cure-all, I'm just saying this. If you're not honest with God in your finances, God's not obligated to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are you struggling with more hours in a day? You're like, "I, I cannot get what I need to get done. I can't get it done. Ask yourself this. Am I being faithful to God with how I invest my time? Am I giving my time to those things that God wants me giving it to? Or am I wasting it? You see, God will meet our needs as we walk obediently with him. The Philippian church met this need in Paul's life. God said, I'm going to take care of that need in your life. You're not going to starve because you gave to Paul. It's his present supply. And then in verses 13 and 14, God's promise for tomorrow. This this uh, this prophet shows up. He just shows up out of the blue. There's no indication he knew this woman <clears throat> with any prior relationship. He just shows up and says, Would you, can I get a cup of water from you? She says, yeah, I can get water. Could you bring me a morsel of bread? And she's like, wait a minute. I, we just got this little bit here. And Elijah says this, I don't want you to worry about it. God's going to take care of your daily bread. If you'll fix my food first, I promise you, you won't starve to death. And you know what? It was true. God's promise for tomorrow. The future is always uncertain if you're not going to factor God into it. But you factor God into it, you can count on your need being met. What's that need you were thinking about when we started this morning? Trust God to take care of that. Don't worry about the future with that. God's going to take care of that. Acts 10.34 says, God is no respecter of persons. So when he told, when Job made this confession back in the book of Job, when he said, He knoweth the way that I take. God is no respecter of person. God knows exactly where you're at, just like he knew exactly where Job was at. He's not going to do for his, he's not going to do for somebody in the old or New Testament something and then say, Well, no, I'm not going to do that for you. He'll do it. He's no respecter of person. Elijah said, if you'll, if you'll go with me on this plan, if you'll fix me a cake first, there will be meal for you to make your cake and your son's cake, and it'll be there tomorrow. There'll be enough tomorrow for all three of us. And the next day. And the next day. That's God's promise for tomorrow. He will take care of us. There are the many shapes of our needs. All of us need something different in this room today, I know. But there's also the manifest supply of God. Whatever you need, God will meet that need as, as we obey, obey him. The last thing is this, and then we'll be done. You're, you're very patient this morning. Here's the last thing. The marvelous secret for getting your need met. Now, I should have put that word secret in quote marks because the secret to getting your need met is no secret at all. God tells us how to do that. Have. Faith in God. I don't trust my my smarts. I don't trust my ability to make money. I don't, I don't trust Mark. Have faith in God. That faith ought to be demonstrated in four areas of, of our life, Christians. First, your faith ought to be demonstrated in the will of God. Faith in the will of God. There in verse number 3, God's will for Elijah was that he go to that brook. And Elijah just went. If I would have, called, if I'd have told the king of Israel, it's not going to rain here uh, until I say it's going to rain here. I would have left Dodge. I would have got out of Dodge. I would have left. He didn't. He left him in the land. He said, just go over here. He was still within the reach of Ahab. But he stayed, in, in, he stayed where God told him to stay. We are to trust God's will. Oftentimes, God's plan and my plan are two very different things. The key to getting your need met by God is trusting that he knows what's best. Trust the will of God. Have faith in the will of God. Submit to it even if you don't understand it. The second thing, not just faith in the will of God, faith in the ways of God. Elijah, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. That's an interesting plan. Elijah might have been thinking, I just don't think it's going to work. Because however, however old he was at this time, he'd never been brought food by a raven. That hadn't happened. Have faith in the ways of God. You drop down to verse number 9 when, uh, when he says, go, God tells him, go to this widow woman. She's going to provide your need. There, widows were poor back in that day. God says, I'm going to command ravens to feed you. I'm going to command uh, these this widow to take care of you. God's ways of meeting our needs are usually not the ways we would see them coming. We don't think like God. His, Isaiah 55 says his ways are higher than ours. I can't figure out all of his ways, but I can have faith in them. The ways through which God works are far beyond our ability to comprehend. We don't always understand it, but here's what I wrote down. But the truth is that he does certain things in certain ways and at specific times that we would never choose. And yet he accomplishes his, he accomplishes his plan in us. Have faith in God's will. He wants what's best for you. Have faith in God's ways. They're always higher and better than ours. Third, have faith in the work of God. Trust in the work of God. There in verses 13 through 16, we won't read them all again, but it's what, God, it's what God told Elijah to tell that widow woman. If you'll feed me today, you will not go without this. Look at this from the widow's perspective. She's at the end of her resources. She's looking at starvation, not only for her, that's one thing. But she can't even meet the need of her son anymore. And then this man shows up and he wants to be fed first. Do you see where she's coming from? She's being asked to put a prophet before her son. Let your son go hungry, give him the food. That's from her perspective until Elijah speaks up. But I love the way she responded here because she trusted in the work of God. Look look at verse number 13 and Elijah says to her in verse number 13, go and do. Do you see those two words in that verse? Go and do. Look at verse number 15, how she responded. What does it say in verse number 15? She went and did. God comes to her and says, Go and do this. She went and did it. That is a great response to the work of God. He's working on your behalf. If you've surrendered your life to the Lord, you're following Him as best you know how. Keep that, keep this in mind. God's going to provide that need. Don't forget whose you are. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says that we are Christ. We've, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. The last thing is this. There must be faith in the will of God, in the ways of God, in the work of God. You fill in that last one, can't you? Faith in the word of God. God gave his word here. You go all the way back to verse number 14. And here's what, here's what Elijah says to that woman. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. You have God's word on this, lady. You're not going to run out. When you have God's word on something, church, it is settled. If God tells his obedient children, I'll meet that need, he will meet that need. Place your faith in God's will, in God's ways, in God's work, and in his word. He said it. Anyone and everyone... Might lie to you. That's the truth. You might have family that lies to you. You might have friends that lie to you. I know people. If, I know people if they tell me the sky is blue. I'm going to go outside just to make sure it's still blue. Because that's how they talk. they lie. God will never do that. If he promises to meet your need. Whatever that need looks like. Do you remember that need you got in your mind? God will meet that need. You have his word on it. I said that was the last one, it's not. There's one more. This is the best one. This is the best part of this whole story. There must be faith in the wonder of God. Did you know? Do you remember? Do you believe that God can do anything? Do you believe that? Do you know that Elijah takes this dead son of this woman and he believes God can raise that boy from the dead. Do you know what you you know what you have in 1st Kings 17? You have the first time in biblical history that someone gets raised from the dead. What I'm saying is Elijah had no precedent at all to believe that God could take a dead body and make it alive again. Nothing He'd never seen it done. He'd never heard of it done. And this woman comes to him and she's weeping and she's wailing. And my son's dead. Did you you come here to remind me that I'm a sinner before God and this is how you remind me? He's dead. And Elijah says, let me have your son's body. And with no reason to believe it's possible other than the fact that God can do anything, he he takes this boy up. And he, he asked God to bring him to life again. Have you ever asked God to do something that you've never heard of him doing before? That's what Elijah did. Have faith in the wonder of God. He can do beyond, well, Ephesians 3.20. Above that which we ask or think. It's unimaginable. Prior to this, it's unimaginable in the Bible that a dead boy is going to live again. But he did. So I come back and ask you today, what's that need? This is not a profound message. This is not a deep message at all. But I think it's one worth asking. If God truly can do anything, then that need I ask you to single out at the beginning of this message If you'll walk in obedience to what you know God wants you to do, God can and will meet that need. He's going to answer it according to his perfect plan, and he's going to give you perfect peace with his response. So bring your your need and your burden and your fear and your grief and your worry. Bring all of that to him, and you'll find this out. He's the only one that can meet that need. But he will. Salvation? Health? Peace? Financial need? A seemingly impossible circumstance? A relationship you're sure is dying? Those walking in faith can rest on the word of God that God will meet that need if you're following him in obedience. I want, to, I want to tell you, church, God can meet that need. Can God really meet your needs? Absolutely. Absolutely he can. Would you stand today with your heads bowed? Thank you for the extra time this morning. But I, I, I don't want to leave in any way. I, I don't want to leave here today without giving you an opportunity to bring that need that you have to God and say, God, you do this. I can't. I've done everything I can. I thought, I, I, I thought I'd try this and I've tried this and I've tried this. And God, that's, that need is still there. What is that need? Would you come and give it to God this morning? If it's a savior, come and give it to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can meet that need. He's the only one. You might not know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. You can know that today. And and whatever else need you think you have, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, that need of a savior just shot to the top of your list. It's the greatest need of every person in this world. Maybe it's a financial need that's going to overwhelm you, and you're wondering how to get out of this. Whatever your need is today, if it's spiritual or emotional or material, would you come and give it to God? Father, thank you for your word and the stories you put in it, like from the life of Elijah, to show us how you work. And, Lord, I don't know what the needs of these people are here, and I know some of them really well, but you know their deepest needs, their truest needs. Lord, may they find that met in you, especially those that might be here today not saved. Would, would you help them to come to you and confess their sin and find in you a perfect Savior? I pray this in your name. Amen.